Welcome to the Legally Speaking Podcast. I'm your host, Rob Hanna. This week, I'm delighted to be joined by Shabam Datta. Shabam is the Vice President of Corporate Development at Clio, our sponsor. He brings to Clio years of M&A experience on both sides of the table as a strategic acquirer and sell-side advisor with experiences in sourcing, deal execution, and integration. Prior to Clio, he was a Corporate Development Lead at Shopify, where he worked on acquisitions and investments. In his spare time, he is usually hosting and editing the Blackbone podcast, cheering on the Toronto Raptors or thinking about what to eat next. So a very, very warm welcome, Shabam. Thanks so much for having me, Rob. It's uh, it's a pleasure and uh, always good to uh, chat on a podcast or chat with a fellow podcaster. Absolutely, absolutely. And before we dive in all your amazing achievements and what you've done in your career to date, we do have a customary icebreaker question here on the Legally Speaking podcast, which is, on the scale of 1 to 10, 10 being very real, what would you rate the hit TV series Suits in terms of its reality? I'm going to go right down the middle. I feel like this is a controversial uh, question. I've, I've heard a few other guests on your podcast as well. Uh, so I'm going I'm to go with a five, uh, a, maybe a personal story about the podcast. When I first started my career um, a, a, in Toronto at, at KPMG, um, they used to film a lot of the episodes uh, in that very building. So believe it or not, I have met um, Harvey and wow. uh, now the, the the name escapes me, but his associate, uh, Mike. Mike Ross, I, I, yes. Yes, yes. So I met both of them um, on the set and uh, I have pictures with them. So uh, there's my little uh, suit story for you. <laughs> well, that is the first out of five seasons, a hundred and whatever episodes we've done. Somebody has actually <laughs> met the suit. So what we're going to try and do with this particular episode then is we need to try and dig those photos out and we're going to share them with all the medias and graphics for your, for your episodes. That's super cool. But thanks so Sounds much for sharing good. that story. So let's start at the beginning though. Tell our listeners a bit about your family background and, and upbringing. Sure. Um, so I was born in, in India and uh, my family had moved to uh, Canada when I was six years old. Uh, so they moved to Toronto and um, Toronto has been home ever since. Um, I've grown up in Toronto, went away to university or college, depending on where your audiences are and what the, <laughs> the, the, the moniker is. But I went away uh, to the University of Waterloo. Um, to study mathematics, accounting, and finance, uh, and then um, came back to Toronto when when all was said and done to um, begin working and haven't looked back. So Toronto is home. Uh, good stuff. A place I'm yet to visit, but uh, very much on the to-do list once we're in a, in a normal world once again. So uh, I'll have to come out and visit you. Yeah, you will. Uh, Toronto is a great city and would love to host you when you're out here. Sounds good. Sounds good. So prior to Clio, you worked in the corporate development at, uh, I think, Shopify. Tell us a bit about this role and what experiences it actually provided you with. Sure. Um, so corporate development teams in general um, in any organization tend to be quite small uh, relative to the overall team. Um, so when I was at Shopify, uh, I started when the company was about 2,000 people. Um, but the corporate development team was two people, myself and my boss. Um, and so in that role, um, our objective or our, uh, the, the, the reason for the corporate development team to exist 
is to think about how to uh, grow the the company's um, uh, team and, and the company's products and innovations through acquisitions. And that's what we first started with. And uh, in my time at Shopify, we also added investments to our portfolio or our tool belt, if you will. Um, and so we would help uh, Shopify or, or the company more broadly um, executing M&A transactions, so acquisitions mostly, um, as well as uh, investment opportunities. And in my time there, I worked on four acquisitions as well as four uh, investment opportunities as well. Obviously, looked at a lot of um, more opportunities. You don't always execute the ones that you look at, um, but uh, that that's what I got to work on while I was at Shopify. Great stuff. Yeah, it sounds, sounds fascinating. And I guess following that then, why did you decide to make the transition and join Clio, I believe, in late 2020? That's right. I, I joined Clio in late uh, 2020, October of 2020. So just coming up on uh, just over a year. Um, and when I was um, first looking at the opportunity, I, I guess I should, uh, someone had reached out from Clio and uh, said, hey, uh, we're thinking about uh, you know starting a corporate development function. Um, and at that time I had said, um, I, I don't really have any you know, reason to leave. Um, and uh, I'm kind of happy where I am. But they said, uh, well, why don't you just, you know, no harm, no foul conversation um, with uh, Jack, who is our CEO at Clio. I said, okay, CEO and founder. And I said, okay, um, I'll chat with Jack. No harm, no foul. Um, and uh, once I had the opportunity to chat with Jack, um, I really got to understand what Clio was about and the the very real impact that it was having on the world and society at large. You know, you can join many software companies, but joining an organization that's very mission aligned and mission driven um, was something that I really loved about working at Shopify, and I saw um, the same at Clio. And so, you know, to fast forward, um, our mission at Clio is to transform the legal experience for all. And when I heard Jack talking about that, it really resonated with me in um, really impacting society at large. You know, the uh, legal system is the fabric of our society. I mean, I don't have to tell your audience or your <laughs> listeners this. I uh, feel like I'm preaching to the choir, but um, the ability to impact that with software and the ability to improve the lives of legal professionals and get out of their way so that they can truly practice law and not have to worry about all of the other things that can just be taken care of with technology. Uh, that's something that really resonated with me. And, you know, I'm, I'm not a lawyer, but I know how hard it is to be a lawyer. And so if I can take my skill sets and, and make the job of legal professionals easier, that's something that really resonated with me. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I, I think that makes a, a lot of sense. But let's dive a little bit deeper then. So for those perhaps less familiar with Clio, what is Clio specifically? And tell us about some of their uh, products. Of course. So uh, Clio is a legal software provider. Um, we have many products today. Our flagship product is Clio Manage. Uh, Clio Manage is a legal practice management solution that helps you run your law firm 
uh, with software. It's cloud-based and allows uh, law firms and legal professionals to be client-centric. And what that means is the practice of law is as challenging as it is. You know, you're dealing with clients, you are um, dealing with cases and matters, and um, you've got maybe uh, court dates to go to and, and all of the things in between. And what Clio Manage really does is takes care of all of the maybe administrative or uh practice management aspects of running a law firm so you don't have to. So you can focus on the client experience and you can focus on the practice of law. Um, and so it has Clio's uh, software has case management, matter management, time tracking, billing, invoicing, and payments. Um, and so you can run your entire law firm on Clio Manage. We also have other products such as Clio Grow, which works seamlessly with uh, Manage that allows you to grow your law practice with tools like CRM um, and contact management um, and intake. Uh, in fact, you could do intake with, if you so cho chose to, have billing directly embedded. So for your initial consultation, if you wanted to charge your client, uh, you can do that. And it all works seamlessly between Clio Grow and Clio Manage. Um, and so we've got a portfolio of, of products that are uh, deeply embedded into Manage. We think of Manage as the operating system of legal. And we believe that we are uh, building the, the first operating system for legal in the world. Um, and that's something that, again, going back to your question around uh, what excited uh, me to join Clio, um, I, I do believe that legal is, as I said, the fabric of our society, the legal system is, and every uh, system needs an operating system as well. And so that's what we're focused on building at Clio. Yeah, and that's that is super super exciting. That's for that's for sure. And you know, there are so many things that that, that Clio provides that is just helping um, you know lawyers, current practicing lawyers, the future generation of lawyers, and of course enabling them to be even more client centric. So absolutely love that. Tell us a bit more about Clio's new project, Clio Ventures. Yeah, uh, Clio Ventures is a project that I'm super excited about, and uh, Clio Ventures. So, so maybe to to you know give some background of where Clio Ventures came to be. Um, every year, uh, as you, as you know, Rob, we host a uh, annual cloud conference, and uh, this conference, uh, one of the highlights for me has been uh, the Launch Code competition. The Launch Code competition provides new integrations to Clio, an opportunity um, to showcase the, those innovative new solutions that are being built on top of the Clio platform. Um, ever since Clio started, we've had world-class APIs that allow integrations to seamlessly work with Clio. Because at its core, we know that in order to transform the legal experience for all, there are millions of permutations and combinations of how that legal experience is delivered. It depends on the stakeholders that you are um, interacting with. It depends on the jurisdiction that you practice. It also depends on the practice area of, of law that you are practicing. And so it's not possible for Clio to build for all of these 
permutations and combinations. But what we hope to do is we want to make the important really easy and the rest possible. And so this is what the intention of our APIs have been from the beginning. And when there are tremendous amounts of innovation that are happening on top, being built on top of Clio, we feature these, these companies in our annual launch code comp- competition. And the winners um, each year take home $100,000 um, US in a grant to help them grow that company to the next level. And so as you know, we just finished off the, the fourth year of the launch code competition. And in that, so each year there are five finalists. And so, you know, um, throughout the years, there have been 20 companies that have gone through this uh, launch code program. And there, there have been four winners as well. Um, and so as some of these companies that were part of the cohort or part of the finalists in the earlier years have grown their companies. Um, we have seen a tremendous amount of innovation happening in, right on top of the Clio ecosystem. Some of them have gone on to attract, um, you know, outside capital through through venture venture capital investments. Others have gone on um, to build exceptional businesses in their own right. And the launch of Clio Ventures was to participate alongside these amazing companies and innovations that were continuing to grow past launch code and allowed us, Clio, to make direct equity investments as they continue to grow as well. Um, and and so that's what uh, Clio Ventures is is really about. And it's a program that we're super excited by. Yeah, and I'm, I'm super about, excited about it as well and can't wait to see where it will go. And I guess on that, you know, you've touched on sort of what you hope for it to achieve, but where do you see Clio Ventures going in, in, in the future? Because I know it's all still relatively relatively new. Yes, it is very new. And and I think, um, you know, where we would want it to go is to uh, one of our key focus uh, areas for Clio Ventures is to fund um, opportunities and companies that are led by diverse teams and founders. Um, one of the, the things that we are thinking about is in order for legal tech to innovate, we actually need more voices at the table than few. And so if we can take a highly opinionated view on funding diverse and underrepresented founders uh, as part of that journey, we think that'll actually lead to more innovation in the category, which will be a win-win for everybody. So that's one of the things that we're focusing on. Um, as well, uh, like I mentioned, our approach with, with Clio Ventures is to fund innovative solutions in legal tech. Um, and we believe, uh, maybe we're biased, we believe that that's always happening in the, the Clio ecosystem. However, if there are innovations that um, are, are happening outside of the Clio ecosystem, I mean, there's no better um, way to reach small and medium-sized uh, law firms than Clio. Uh, on Clio, we have over 150,000 legal professionals that use it worldwide. And so you could imagine if you are creating a solution that um, helps law firms, there's no better place than to have that innovation live than on Clio, where you can get access to 150,000 legal professionals who are using the, the, uh, the, the product. Um, and so 
we're really excited about growing the category as a whole. And um, this past year, earlier this year, uh, Clio became a unicorn company um, when we raised our our Series E, led by T. Rowe Price and Omer's Growth um, Capital. And we believe that there are many other legal tech unicorns to be made. Um, and we believe that we can have a hand in in the next uh, group of those. And so um, that's that's where we think Clio Ventures could go. And, and and that is super exciting. And, you know, the fact that, you know, Clio is, as, as you might mention there, Unicorn, the future is bright. I love what the platform provides and helps so many, so many people within the, the legal industry. And you touched on it, but what types of organizations are you looking to invest in and what stage should they be at? Yeah, I think for now, we are targeting uh, um companies and and startups that are, I would say, seed stage or series A stage uh, companies. We're looking mostly at SaaS solutions, so software as a service uh, types of of companies, um, and those that are either seed or or series A. As a strategic uh, corporate venture arm, um, currently we are not leading rounds. And so we are looking at um, folks much smarter than we are when it comes to venture capital uh, to to lead and price these rounds, and uh, we are happy to follow along with those comp- uh, with those investors to be part of the cap table. Um, but some of the values um, the, or the 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 things that. Clio hopes to bring outside of just the capital are things like access to our ecosystem, access to folks within our company, um, such as product and engineering folks that have, um, you know, building Clio has been a 13 and 14, 13 going on 14 year journey. And throughout that time, we've learned a lot about the legal market and what it means to build a solution that is used by 150,000 legal professionals. So we've got some insights there that we can share. Um, what it means to um, you know market or sell to law firms. We've uh, understood what that means. And we're help, we hope to share those insights with our portfolio companies. Uh, we have a lawyer in residence whom I believe you might be chatting with as well, uh, Joshua Lennon. And, um, you know, not, not every single um, legal tech startup has access to uh, a lawyer in residence. And so um, having access to, to Joshua and being able to speak to him on, hey, would this really impact legal professionals? How could they use this? Or just bouncing off feedback uh, that way. Um, and then being part of Clio Ventures, um, as I mentioned, we have an API, but that API is ever evolving. And so it becomes a two-way street uh, with the, the the portfolio company or the startup to say, we want to do X, Y, and Z things, but the the API today doesn't necessarily allow that. Can we work together on make, making that better? And um, so these are the kinds of things that we're hoping to um, bring about as a strategic uh, or a corporate venture program um, outside of just the capital. So value outside of, of the capital. Yeah, no, and thank you for giving us such a, a comprehensive overview there. I think it's super exciting. I can't wait to see uh, the future of, of Clio and Clio Ventures and all the other sort of products and services. 
And now, time for a short quiz. Can you guess how many of your prospective clients now expect to work with you online? If you guessed almost four out of five or 79%, you got it right. Want to learn more about where the future of the legal profession is headed? Then leading practice management software provider Clio has just released a resource I think you're all going to love. In their 2021 Legal Trends Report, they compiled data from tens of thousands of legal professionals to chart the major upcoming trends for law firms. The annual Legal Trends Report is released every October, and you can get your copy for free at clio.com forward slash legal trends. That's C-L-I-O.com forward slash legal trends. Now back to the show. You also, sort of switching lanes, you also have your own podcast, as I mentioned in the introduction, the Backbone Podcast. So a journey inside finance as a startup. Tell our listeners a bit more about it and what made you start the world of podcasting? <laughs> Sounds good. Um, so the Backbone, as you mentioned, is a, a look inside um the journey of finance within a startup. And what it aims to do is uh, interview finance leaders at high growth technology companies and um, talk about the opportunities and unique challenges that finance professionals face in that seat. Uh, So think about a a CFO or a VP finance um, or a director of finance, the challenges and opportunities that they face um, in a high growth uh, technology company. And, um, over the years, I've had the opportunity to, to interview uh, many distinguished guests, and uh, uh, it's been uh, an incredible uh, experience to, to learn from uh, finance operators and uh, see how they run finance and operations at, at high-growth technology companies. So um, that's, that's the Backbone Podcast. There we go. And I'd strongly encourage people to to check it out. And before we, we, we wrap up, Shabad, you know, do you think that future lawyers will need to be legal techies? I that's a great question. I don't think they themselves need to be legal techies. I think if technology does its job correctly, then they they shouldn't even realize that it's using technology. They should just have an experience that is so much better um, that they don't they won't know its technology power. The best technology just blends in. Um, and I think legal tech should be that way as well. Um, there are many solutions that are like that where they just blend in and they just work. Um, and I think legal tech has a tremendous amount of opportunity to do that and be that for uh, legal professionals everywhere. And so to answer your question, I don't think they themselves, lawyers, uh, attorneys, and legal professionals need to be legal techie themselves. But it's our job as technologists, as builders of technology companies, to make legal technology so easy that it doesn't feel like we are that to to legal professionals that they are adopting technology. It's just a better way. And I think if we can achieve that, then... Um, it'll be a it'll be a win-win for for everyone involved yeah no absolutely i couldn't agree more and i'm I'm looking forward to seeing how that transition evolves over time and and finally what are you expecting to see in terms of legal trends for 2022 and do you expect to see a continuation of sort of technological adoption by the legal sector 
Yeah, I think first and foremost, um, we've seen tremendous amounts of legal tech uh, adoption throughout the past couple of years. And I think that that will only continue um, as firms look to become more cloud-based and client-centered. They are looking at solutions that are not tethering them back to their bricks and mortar law office. Um, You know, when the pandemic hit, um, folks had no choice but to either work from home or or work from uh, an area where they didn't have access to their office. And so that tethering back to the office, it kind of got, that cord got pulled. And I think, um, you know, Everybody, legal professionals uh, in that have gotten used to now over the past 18 to going on 24 months of having to um, not rely on on those kinds of solutions. And that's encouraged um, everybody to adopt technology, um, firstly out of necessity, but I think now as they've gotten to use them, they've realized the benefits that these technologies do bring. And I don't think there's any going back uh, to the way it was. And so I think it will only continue to um, increase the the adoption of legal technologies. But it's the job of um, founders and startups of, of legal tech to build technologies that are innovating on the workflows that already exist. It's much harder for someone to say, here is a new workflow and I want you to fully adapt or change your existing workflows to to accommodate my startup or my my company. But if you can work within the existing workflows and make those workflows better for legal professionals uh, and, and just make the technology work without having to jump through hoops, I think that will be a big win for not only the legal tech startups, but also legal tech professionals that will be able to adopt those technologies um, and really make their practice uh, more client-centric. And, and I think that's what what folks are really looking for. The legal consumer um, is a consumer in all other aspects as well. They, you know, they they are watching um, movies and videos on Netflix. They are um, maybe ordering or hailing their their cab on on Uber, and um, the the expectations of legal consumers have just gone up, and it's no longer okay for legal professionals to leave their experience behind. And so legal consumers are expecting those types of behaviors when they um, go to look at legal, when they uh, look to have legal help or legal services. And so the consumer expectation has increased. And our job as, as technologists is to help legal professionals meet that bar and help them become more client-centric and provide them with the tools and technologies to do that. So uh, I think overall, we'll continue to see more adoption of legal technologies, but it comes back to um, working with legal professionals versus against them and providing them solutions that truly allow them to do their work and, and just get out of their way. 
Yeah, no, I love that. And I, I use the analogy collaborate versus combat, you know, particularly with some legal professionals. So I'm yeah. super excited to see the, what, what the future in terms of legal technology and further adoption that, that happens over the line. So if people want to follow or get in touch with you about anything we've discussed today, Shaban, what's the best way for them to do that? Feel free to shout out any website links or relevant social media. We'll also share them with this episode for you too. Yeah, the, the best place to find out anything about Clio is obviously our website, www.clio.com. And if you want to find out anything specifically about ventures, um, that's just clio.com forward slash ventures. And uh, that has all of the details that we chatted about today as it relates to Clio Ventures and the program. Um, and uh, if there's anyone listening that's building uh, innovative technologies for legal tech, would love to hear from you. Um, so give us a shout. Yeah, no, thank you so, so much, Shabana. It's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show. Wishing you all at Clio lots of continued success. But from all of us on the Legally Speaking podcast, over and out. This week's review comes from Adam North. Great, informative podcast. Five stars. I love the Legally Speaking podcast. I feel it finds the balance between being informative and lighthearted really well. Great guests within the legal sector as well. Thank you so much, Adam. We really appreciate all your kind words from all of us on the Legally Speaking podcast. Thanks a million once again. <laughs>